Something's coming, I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be grand. Actually, I do know what it is, and it is my brand new course, my first new course, and I believe four years for entrepreneurs or those even just considering launching your first or next business or product more quickly, easily, and in a long-term sustainable way for both business and personal wins in your life. I will be hosting a live call to tell you more about it later this month, and the doors will be both opening and closing on this new course before the end of the month here in June. I will put the link below where you can hop on the waitlist so that you'll be the very first to hear about it and make sure that you do not miss out. This is my isolation creation, so to speak. It was something that was slated for fall, but it felt right to create it sooner. And part of that came from watching my Elegant Excellence Mastermind students. And it became so clear that this is a message that is needed. It is helpful. It is the right product at the right time. It is a major need in the market and it will answer questions and uh, challenges and stories that we have going on for years to come in our business. I have been somewhat uh, pilot programming this with my mastermind students without them even realizing it over the last couple of months. And it is all summed up in this course, launching at a very special price. So do not miss out. Swipe up into the description below this podcast, and I will put the link right there. Pop in your name, email, and you'll be good to go. And speaking of missing out, one of our great fears in friendship, eh? FOMO. So let's talk about that and more in today's show. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovely. I want to have a conversation today that has been a personal dialogue I've been having for a long time with myself and specifically over the last couple of months of COVID with friends in this unique season. And I want to say, From the top, that I do not have all the answers in this topic. I don't have a grand conclusion at the end for how we can all build meaning-lasting lifelong friendships and where we can go to meet other friends as adults. I don't have all the answers. But my hope is that sharing this musing helps you. We are all going to be at different places today and I hope that I address different things that really speak to where you and uh, maybe the even the friends in your life that you're having these same conversations as we all sort of desire to have more depth and security, peace, and joy in this area. So I have joked for a long time that I feel I get quite a few messages from you in my DMs on Instagram, Instagram being where you and I converse outside of this podcast, and I... I feel like I get so many messages from you talking about the fact that you are the one that reaches out more in friendships. You're the one that reaches out and other people don't don't reply as much. You're the one that keeps the friendship moving. You feel like you check in on them more than they check in on you. And because I hear so much of this, I've often joked that I, I feel like 75% of women feel like we are the ones that are reaching out more often. And it just can't be true that there's this 25% that are the magical, you know, golden children who everybody's clamoring to be their friend and 75% of us are, are going after them. Odds are that it's, that it's more even, right? And that there are more women writing. Like I've always joked that I, I probably have two women. You guys are friends in real life and you're both sending me a DM that says, I'm just the one that reaches out more. 
And it just, it hurts my feelings. I feel like I care more. I feel like I put in more effort. I just don't feel like she thinks about me. I don't feel like she really asks in on me. But I've had this theory that both of you are saying the same thing. That it can't just be that I'm only hearing from the women on this one side. And that the reality just can't statistically be that more of us are doing the reaching out. And it's made me curious, is it perhaps in our thoughts more often? in our stories, in our perception of what's happening rather than actually factually what's happening in reality. So I've done a series of surveys over on Instagram stories over the last week and I did three different rounds for those of you that have been chiming in there and voting. Thank you so much for helping to shape this conversation and content today. So I had asked over there, what percentage of you want to have more connection? And it was, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. I asked who, who feels that they reach out more and it was 70%. I was pretty right. I've joked that it's 75%. Yeah, it was like 72% or something like that. We're like, yes, I reach out more. And I was like, interesting. Again, can this really be factually true? Now, maybe Dean Street Society is just a tribe of the reacher outers. You know, we're the lean inners, we're the lovers. We're it could be true. It could be that there is something about that in us. But I think it is more likely that more of us think that we reach out more. Our, our stories, our lens, that the rose-colored glasses we have on or whatever the opposite of rose-colored glasses actually is, is feeling like we reach out more. But I think really it just comes down to the fact that we crave more connection. Whether it's a false story in our head or not, that's coming from a true place, right? Even if it isn't factually true, is there something in our core that's like, but I'm just yearning for more. I don't feel satisfied enough by the amount that is coming back to me. And so I asked, do you want more connection? And a separate poll. Yep, the same 70% said yes. The same folks that feel they're reaching out more often are wanting more connection. Again, we're wanting more of that back. So then I asked, um, in this coronavirus season, do you find that you are desperately missing getting together with people or are you kind of surprisingly okay? I mean, not that you don't love your friends, not that you wouldn't take it if a friend showed up with, you know, a bottle of wine and it was cool for them to come on in and be close to each other. But are you really feeling just this ache of like, I miss in-person friendships so much I could just cry? And 70% were like, I'm kind of okay. So I thought, well... How are 70% of us longing for more connection and also equally find that we don't have more of that in-person connection right now? So I thought, well, is it just the in-person part? Maybe that's the part that we're realizing we don't need as much. So then I asked, how many friends do you see on a monthly basis? And my qualification for that was, these are not people that you organically see because you guys go to the same church or your kids are both on the same soccer team, so you always hang out on the same sidelines. It's really intentional where if your kids are no longer on the same soccer team or if one of you switches churches, you're still gonna get together because you did double date night, you did Saturday brunch or you went over each other's house for wine or you met up for breakfast or whatever it is, but you you have that scheduled time and it's either one-on-one -on -one or it's in a small group, but you're really intentional about it. And I said, how many people like that do you have in your life that are, um, you see them twice or more every month? You know, maybe you don't see them every single week, but you're not going a whole month in between seeing them and really having that connection. So 25% said zero. And by the way, this is the category that I'm in. I'm in the zero category. When I really think back to my life in New York pre-COVID, um, 
I have friends that I see, but friends that I would actually see in person outside of those set times twice a month, no. Uh, my friends are traveling, my friends are busy, and I'm and I'm in the category that's like, yeah, I, I reach out more. Jeremy and I like, hey, anyone want to come over this weekend? Got a gorgeous balcony, got all the charcuterie, got all the wine, come on oves, we'll just be hanging. People are like, oh, I can't, I got this, I got that, I'm out of town, I'm, I'm on a deadline, I'm, you know, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, we, we don't have that. We're in that 25%. 50% said one to two people and 25% said three or more people. Now, when I asked how many do you want to have, that was first your reality. Now, how many do you want to have? Almost no one said zero. I think 11 people said, I don't see those people and I'm cool with it. 11 people out of like thousands of people seeing this. Almost no one said zero. A third of us said one to two and two thirds said three or more. So only 25% of us are seeing three or more friends, but 66% of us, almost triple the amount, would like to be seeing more people. So we want more people that we are seeing in our lives. But then I'm also curious of, do we? <laughs> because if we want more connection and we want more in-person friends, yet also can answer that we've been fine without the in-person friends. It just makes me curious. Are we being honest with ourselves? Do we say, I want to see three friends, you know, twice a month, but then we get into COVID and we're not seeing anyone and we're like, actually, I'm pretty fine with this. And I, I'm just curious about that. I'm not saying one way or the other or, or what the answer is, but it really makes me think do we have a story that we would be happier if we had more in-person connection? But actually, when the world shuts down and we have no option but to be at home, we're like, I'm actually pretty cool with being at home. Okay, well, interesting. When we go back to having plans, will the plans make us happier? Or even more so, because the plans, we don't have as many plans as we want. So do we have this idealization of having more plans that it would make us happier? But during coronavirus, 70% of us were actually fine without the plans. Yet simultaneously, 70% of us want more connection. So how do we reconcile those? And one thing that I wondered was, does it have to do with FOMO? Are, you, are we just fine right now that we're not seeing people because no one's seeing people? I've had this conversation with some of my girlfriends and with Jeremy because I think this is really huge for Jeremy and I. We're totally fine here in the desert. I mean, it's... It's so random, guys. We're just in this random house in this random city and we're just hiding out and whatever. But honestly, we're fine. Like, it's not our dream life. We don't want to be here for the next five years doing this, but we're fine. I don't feel a sense of depression that I'm not around friends. I don't, I love connecting with my friends when I do, but it, like my depression and anxiety, it, it, when it all present in this, doesn't feel like it's tied to not being able to see friends. But we said if, if everyone else was hanging out though, would we be less okay with it? And Jeremy and I both said, yeah. I think because when we do virtual Zoom birthday parties, everybody's virtual. It makes us feel less left out than if we were the only ones virtually, you know, going into that. When there's a Zoom wedding and no one's there, feels different than if it was our friend's wedding and we were just the ones that couldn't go. Yes, we would feel more left out. If it's a Friday night and we are joking that we have nothing to do but like go through the drive through or whatever and eat takeout, if our friends were all at this cool hip restaurant, like at this fun party in New York, that would feel more 
pathetic. It would feel less satisfying. But because they're not doing that, it doesn't feel like we're, like what else are we going to do on a Friday night? So there's no shame. There's no there's no story of this is kind of pathetic that this is what we do on a Friday night. There's just total freedom. There is no options in quarantine. I don't have to feel any shame around that. Well, when I asked you, only 8% said you're okay now, but you would struggle more if you were the only one. Now, I am an Enneagram 4. It is one of our characteristics that we like to be unique. We pride ourselves on being unique, um, which was really fascinating to me when I read that because it was like, oh yeah, growing up, if everybody liked a guy, I did not like that guy. Like I was so uninterested with the guy that everybody had a crush on. And um, so I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally me, but long before I knew there was an Enneagram name. So on the one hand, I love that you guys don't agree with me. My Enneagram fourness is like, well, <laughs> hair swish, hair swish, but of course I'm unique. Yet on the other hand, I also cannot ever believe that not everyone's wired like me. Like there's things where I'm just like, I don't understand. How can you guys not think the way that I think, right? I think a lot of us could do that. So I have such a hard time believing that only 8% of you are not being at all affected by the FOMO and the fact that if if everybody was hanging out but you, there would be more, there would be a feeling of being left out. There would be a feeling of shame that you weren't invited. There would be more a more heightened sense of loneliness that you aren't in this city that, you know, everyone else is in. But so we said that, 70% want more connection. And yet, then I asked how many of you have text messages or phone calls, like you have people reaching out and you don't you don't respond. If you looked at your phone right now, I'm not talking like it's been an hour or a day, but you've been like, yeah, that friend wrote a few days ago, that was a week ago, like oh, I keep thinking I should get back to that person. So 50% of you said, yeah, I don't always get back. So that means that 50% of you are taking advantage of every opportunity you have. You're replying to every text message, every phone call, every time someone reaches out to you, and yet it still doesn't feel enough. And that's just like good to know. Okay, yeah, I, I am taking advantage of everything that's coming to me, and it just still isn't enough. 20% of you want more, but aren't always taking it because th there is more connection that you aren't following up with. Again, this is me. And again, it's hard for me to believe that there's only 20% of y'all that are doing this. Like to me, I'm just like, how, how is this not a thing? We just hear from more people and people just, you know, re reach out at the wrong times. Like what I've realized during coronavirus is that I want connection when I want connection. I want it when it's convenient for me, when I feel like talking, when I have something to share when I'm in the mood to chat, when I'm not in the middle of anything. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I think that that is pretty common that when I have the, the yearn for, oh, I'm bored. Oh, I'm going to go for a walk and I'd love some company. Oh, I have a really spacious afternoon today. Oh, I'm really ready for a break for work. I want that connection when it can be there. But then when I get in busy busier seasons or I've had a long day or I've been teaching recording content all day, my voice is shot, I just don't want to talk anymore, or I've been staring at my phone all day, creating Instagram comment, I just don't want to comment content, I just don't want to stare at it anymore to, uh, to reply, that I don't get back to people as often. So the 50% that, like me, said, I don't always reply to these people, I said, why, why is that? I said, is it because you're busy? Is it because you're tired? Is it something else? Half of you said busy, 
Half of you said tired. A lot of people replied both. I wanted to answer both to the busy and the tired. A lot of people responded, I forget. And I was really interested at the reasons why people were saying, I forget. Like, I want to give it depth and then I forget or run out of time. Like we see it and we're like, I could reply right now on a level two, but my soul really craves a level seven. I think it'll lead to a deeper connection or I want to be the kind of friend that replies deeply. I want to be the kind of person that replies thoughtfully. And so then we just don't even reply at all. I'm totally guilty of that. Um, Some people said, I just don't want to have the same conversation about how hard things are. I can empathize with that as well. If too many people are reaching out, we, we can become too spread thin where it's like, uh, I've got to have the same rehash conversation with with eight, nine, ten people. It felt good and healthy the first one, two, three, four times I filled somebody in on what was happening in my life or how coronavirus was affecting me. But uh, now I just feel like I don't want to keep repeating myself. And so we kind of reach a ceiling of maybe we can't have ten close people. Be, and, and that's why it peters out. And then we just notice, okay, do I have a story that I want these ten friends that I'm texting with, but actually... I just get burned out after the fourth. So would it be better for me to kind of, you know, narrow down that circle? And then a couple of people said, how are you is too big or long of an answer. And I was like, man, I resonate with that. When a friend I haven't talked to in a while texts, how are you? It's like, I mean, where do I begin? Like, I I mean, yesterday versus today in work or personally or in that, you know, there's just, there's so much. I don't even know where to start. It's way too big of a question to answer. So I just realized we are both busy and tired and yet longing. And it just makes me wonder how much we have made the story that we are not liked enough. We're not loved enough. We're not cared about enough, prioritized enough. We're not likable or lovable enough to be the, the, the top friend someone reaches out to or worthy of someone's time and energy. But really, are we just in general, a busy, tired, longing people. Like when they don't reach out to us, do we think that they're doing it to others? Are we feeling like what else are they prioritizing with their time? Whereas if we actually just really pictured that everyone we're wanting to hear back from was just alone, splayed on the couch, feeling exhausted, having had a really overly full week, tapped out on time on their phone, their voice is tired from talking all day, would we feel that same longing? Would we be like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. And, and I don't know. We, maybe we still would. I know that we still need that connection uh, as humans. But I wonder how much of it do we make harder on ourselves because we also attach to it a lack of worthiness, a sense of shame, a feeling of rejection. And yet when I look at all of our answers, we are all we all want more longing and we're all busy and tired. So are we just all wanting more from one another than we can all give. And we ourselves are in that same place, but we're we're hoping for, sweetly and genuinely, more from someone else than we can give. I don't know. One thing that comes up for me when I look at those answers is a sense of perfectionism. Like I said, wanting that depth, but then, so not wanting to reply with a short answer. But one, and one of the things that I really resonated with that in, in this time of coronavirus was that when I had friends where we missed each other, like in the beginning of COVID, the beginning of shelter at home, that's when I, 
I was more anxious. I wanted more connection. I was more emotional about what was happening. I was less productive. I was getting less done at work. And so the friends that I connected with during that time, we sort of caught up on all of that stuff. But I have two, two girlfriends. One was just pieced out. I don't know what was up with her. And the other one was in a really busy season with work. So I've really have not heard from them for these like, I don't know, two months more or less of COVID. And now they're reaching out more and I'm feeling a sense of exhaustion at the idea of reaching back out because I'm like, oh my gosh, we have so much to catch up on. It feels like it's going to take like a whole hour long conversation. It feels like I'm going to have to re-dredge up. Where was I emotionally two months ago? What, why did we leave Mexico? How is Arizona been? All of these things. It feels so much easier to ignore that text message and text back the girlfriends that I've been texting with throughout throughout the weeks and and months and I just we don't we have to go back less far it's like just what's happened in the last 3 days that's just much more manageable and I realize that now about my life back in New York as well pre covid that I tend to just turn more to the friends that I'm in conversation with more and a reason that I that I now have clarity on is because there's there's less time and energy required when you just got to catch up on a couple days or a couple weeks than when it's when it's been a few weeks or it's been a few months or there's so many big things and that friend wasn't available for them you, you didn't fill them in and kind of back to that earlier point like I mean I already hashed this out with four other friends so by the time you come along is number five and you're like tell me all about the breakup and you're like I just I really don't want to rehash it again like that ship kind of sailed, you know, <laughs> you know, Betsy, I was, that was kind of my life in March and April. And then you show up in May and it's like, ugh, I think we just need to move on and be like, yeah, you just weren't here for that. Like, and so I think that there is some reality in paying attention to those, those nuanced details of why am I more drawn to this person? Why does this feel easier? I also heard a lot of, uh, perfectionism in social anxiety in uh, people saying I'm I've I've really been struggling with my mental health during this time I'm depressed I'm anxious I have social anxiety so I overcomplicate reaching out to people I'm afraid I'm gonna be a burden I don't want to tell people that I'm struggling this is something I haven't struggled with and it may just be a personality type thing I really believe and want you to hear if you relate with this that people want to help they want to listen they want to support. We want to be there for one another when people are having a, a hard time. We want to be a good friend. And that I so often will hear my friends say, you know, I just, I don't like to be a burden. And I'm like, how many times do I have to tell you? It's not a burden. I want to know what's happening in your life. And I think it's really worth noting, is that a story that you have? That you are not getting the connection that you want because you've made the story, this is a burden. When meanwhile, remember, 70% of us, 75% of us all think that we're the one reaching out more. Your friend is also DMing me being like, I just, I don't know why Sasha won't get back to me. It really hurts my feelings. It makes me feel like I'm not loved. And meanwhile, Sasha's like, oh, I was just not reaching out because I thought I was going to be a burden. And Emily over here is like, no, like you're she, like, Sasha's like, I'm depressed and I didn't want to reach out. And Emily's like, well, I'm feeling depressed because you're not reaching out. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> let's just reach out more and really notice when we have a story that we're being a burden, etc. That question about how are you doing, by the way, there's an episode on uh, grief that I did earlier. Um, I will link to it below. And one of the things that came up in that was... Um, my sweet friend Ashley saying that being asked how are you or how are you doing when you're in the midst of grief 
it's just way too big a question to answer. I mean, how, I mean, how can you say? And so she said, a better question is, how are you doing today? And I really thought about that. I, one of my best friends just um, lost someone very close to her in her life uh, that passed away. And I went to text her the other day and I thought, okay, how are you doing? It's just too big of a question. I need to just say, how, how is, um, how are you today? What, like, how's your Saturday? What have you guys been up to today? And just trying to make it smaller. Like she can't just encapsulate everything about what this meant, but can you just talk to me about today? How, how's today going? Uh, so I think that some of these just little tiny nuances can help us as we try to unpack what do we do about the fact that we want more connection and yet we're all busy and tired and we're just kind of missing each other. And finally, I also asked you, who are you connecting with more or less during this time and why? And I had three ideas of reasons that it might be that I threw out. I said, do you feel that you have the same or different physical space reality? So maybe you both have kids and you're reaching out to your, your mom friends more often in this season because it is so exhausting doing the learning distance learning thing and working and your mom friend who really gets it is the one you want to talk to. Not your friend who is single, who's sheltering at home alone, and you get that normally you guys can be super great and close friends and it's okay that you're in a different position, but in this season, you're just not feeling like you get it. Or vice versa. You are you're hearing you're the single friend, you're hearing less from your mom friends because they're just more busy. Is it uh social space? You saw each other naturally in person. You cross paths all the time at church and at parties and all of that, and now you realize when that doesn't happen, you don't really have that much of a connection. They weren't really a text friend. They weren't really a phone friend. They weren't really a lots of deep conversations friend. You felt like they were a pretty close friend because you saw them a lot, but now you're realizing, oh, that was just coincidental. Um, or you can see your neighbors, so you're going deeper with them. There's someone on your street that you used to chat with a little bit, and now you guys have kind of gotten into a rhythm of sitting out in your driveways on your chairs, and now you're getting back to your other friends less because these these people are just closer? Or is it mental space that you're, you're just finding yourself in a different headspace than some of your friends? You really like to go deep. You're feeling introspective in this time and you're really processing through your anxiety and your other friend just, they, they just can't go deep or they're just not who you go to for deep or you tried and it kind of fell flat and they were like, hmm, interesting. And then they moved on and you were like, okay, this is not satisfying. Or your friend is panicked and making a huge deal of everything and you like to just you just want to keep it calm and chill and you just feel exhausted after you talk to her so you've been kind of avoiding her more two-thirds said mental space that was far and away that the main reason you were connecting with people more or less was because you just felt like we are in a different headspace that isn't connecting. And that's what my girlfriends and I have talked about as well. We felt like, you know, we really want to connect and we're, we're cerebral and problem solving and we want to hold space and be empathetic. And therefore we've been more drawn to one another in this time than some of our other friends. And two of my girlfriends have said that to me and I have said that to them. And, and each of us has had an example of even sometimes without maybe names. Yeah, I have another friend that I'm not feeling as drawn to reach out to. And I just realized you're my friend that I go deep with. And that's made me wonder, isn't that always the case? Like, are, are, we, are we just heightened when we're raw? And right now in this, this season of coronavirus, we're feeling more tender. We're feeling, you know, we're, we're craving more. And we might also be doing that when something scary happens in life, when we experience a death of someone close to us. But 
Isn't that actually just an insight into what we desire ideally all the time? And not that we always need the depth, that we don't enjoy the light as well. These girlfriends I connect with also make me laugh and, you know, we talk about silly things as well. But it made me wonder, is that not just an, an insight into this is what we always want? Are we just kind of accepting it with the friends that we don't connect with as deep? We just, it just doesn't bother us as much when things are going good. But then when things are tough, does it mean that we're like, oh, I have less friends than I, than I thought because really there's a smaller group of them that feels satisfying? And is that maybe not helpful to know going forward, maybe I invest more in the friendships that are satisfying. Maybe I seek out more of the friendships that are satisfying, which I realize is not helpful because we've already established that we want more. And then if we start to realize that some of the people in our lives are not as you know fulfilling as we want... Again, today's episode is not a seven steps to living happily ever after. I'm just asking a lot of questions that have come up for me and that I'm trying to process through and just extrapolate what can I learn from. So in conclusion, what I'm really curious about and have been for a long time is how much of this comes down to our thoughts, our perception about what's happening. One of you commented... <laughs> these two sentences that I've just thought about so much. She said, after having gone through this survey where I was asking you to say, like, how many people do you see? How many people do you want to see? How many people do you think other people see? How many people have you seen connected with, you know, in this deep way during this time? It was the series of those questions. And I said, do you have anything else to share? And one answer said, the realization of having no friends was a bit depressing. I'm usually too busy being lonely to notice. I mean, guys, that's a that's a piece of poetry. <laughs> that to me is like taking me back to AP English, 11th grade of like how much is spoken in these two sentences. The realization of having no friends was a bit depressing. I'm usually too busy being lonely to notice. So what she's saying is being confronted with my circumstance made me feel depressed. Normally, I'm so busy with my thoughts about that circumstance. Maybe you're thinking that it's that you're overreacting. I don't know. It's like I'm I'm so in under the covers just wallowing in my sadness that I don't even confront the actual reality that like, yes, this is the circumstance that is causing this sadness. I don't know. That just like I just thought about that for so long. It was so hard to be told reality because I was too I've been so busy just feeling bad and sad and mad about reality. But but therefore, are those thoughts, are we just churning them up and actually making it worse? So, okay, I have four thoughts as as we close here. Number one is about this story and thoughts and feelings and how much of it comes back to this rather than the reality, perhaps, of what's happening in our lives. My basic thesis for a while has been, do we think everyone is hanging out without us and really they're just on the couch? Do we think that everyone else has more connection than we do? I asked, how many do you think, how many people do you think other people are hanging out with um, in that, you know, two plus times deep in-person connection, intentional once a month. Um, few said zero, although 25% of us said that that's us. And yet we thought very few people are actually in that category. 
in truth, more people are in that category than we realize. Overall, we assume that they have more. The, the answers in general were saying, if I have two, I think most people have three. And we know that human connection is clearly proven to be important. We did that whole series on the book Lost Connections. It's a three-part uh, series that I will link below as well. And um, we saw in that how important human connection is. But I just wonder also how much of our stories and our thoughts tell us that we have less of it than we do or less of it than we crave or confuse us into scarcity that we aren't loved or liked enough when really we're quite full and tired and don't have a lot more to give either unless it's on our time, as I confessed to earlier, but we're all in that same boat. We're not actually giving you know more above and beyond. Number two, again, with the stories, thoughts, and feelings, I have found that getting factual about how often you see someone reach out or they do, et cetera, can be really important. Actual like dates, like look at your calendar, scroll back through your texts, notice who asks questions in a text or doesn't. I have found for myself and friendships that facts matter because we can then separate out if, if we're having a thought or a feeling about them that does or doesn't match reality. So um, I will attach, uh, I will link below the um, the episode on the wand. If you did not listen to that, pretty, pretty, pretty please. If anything that I've mentioned, go listen to that. So this, this C line, our circumstance is, I haven't seen Emma in five months. We have exchanged 12 texts. Eight times, I was the one who reached out or picked back up the conversation. Honestly, I will go and look back at these messages sometimes when I realize I'm starting to feel like, you know, I think I reach out more than this other person does. And I really confirm, is it just my story that they're ignoring me or is it fact? And it might sound wild, but the fact makes me feel better because now it just is what it is. And I can make it mean anything that I want. The circumstance, again, listen to the wand if you are not following me on this. The circumstance is what it is and it is neutral. I have not seen Emma in five months. Now there's a variety of things that could be. My thought is Emma's been so busy and I am so proud of her. I just love that she decided to be a single mom and I think it's amazing or she's out on her book tour and it's so incredible. Or the thought could be Emma's prioritizing all of her friends over me. Emma's, Emma doesn't like me anymore. She's, you know, I'm not cool enough compared to everyone else. But the fact is simply that you haven't seen Emma for five months and that can be neutral. So in my case, I've realized, for example, let's call, let's say my friend Emma, I don't have a friend Emma, but um, I've realized one of my friends is not a text person. And I started to really think back and realize that like, this isn't just in quarantine. This is even previously. We don't really text. We don't really have long conversations. I love seeing her when I do see her in Brooklyn, but how often does that really happen that she comes over? Not very often. So interesting. You know, maybe, um, maybe Emma is more of a casual friend than I have really given her weight in my life. 
I mean, I, we've known each other for a long time. I love her. I have so many good feelings about her. It doesn't have to be negative. I don't have to be like, well, maybe Emma is just a more casual friend. I don't have to be like, I don't know. Maybe she's just a more casual friend to me. It could just be like, maybe Emma's more of a casual friend. I don't know. Maybe she's more casual with everyone. Maybe she just, but, and, and this, and I can look back and be like, is this kind of always how it's been? Was there some great change or have I just always yearned for more connection? So I've wanted Emma to be even deeper. And sometimes she has been because we had more friends in common and we had more things that we were naturally seeing each other at. We've gone through those seasons, but honestly, we never had these long phone conversations. We didn't see each other that often. Haven't I always kind of been reaching out more? And so it, it shifts it a little bit for me to see that reality. I saw how easily that happened. Recently we had, um, you know, this is a very unique time to live in New York City. Um, I've had three, we've had, I think, three friends that are leaving this, that are not coming back to the city that have moved uh, during, during COVID and uh, two just influencers, uh, colleagues that I've seen that live in New York that moved out during this time. Um, and that could feel... I think if I hadn't done a lot of this work in thinking on friendship over the last couple of years, that could feel very alarming to me. But my one friends, the texted and we're like, hey, I wanted to let you know we came to Australia when this broke out and we're actually staying. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you. I, we love you guys. And we've seen you once in a year. <laughs> we don't live near each other. We don't go to the same church location anymore. I wish that you guys lived on our block. And if you did, we would totally hang more often. But we didn't. So I was able to really not make it this huge, like, oh my gosh, everyone's leaving. We're not going to have any community. We're being left behind. I was just like, you know what? To be honest, we saw you once a year. It, it, I wish, and, and the other connections that we had, you and I will still have. You and I texted and, and, and had calls every once in a while. And we'll still do that. We just already didn't even see each other in person. I have another friend that's moving and I s- realized I have seen her in the 15 months since our wedding. I've seen her in person four times. And we live about 20 minutes apart in New York. <laughs> I mean, four times, once every four months, that is not a lot. That's not the deep longing connection that we're looking for in this conversation. And yet on my list, she's one of those people that I want deep, long connection with. And looking at the facts, I realized, oh, okay, I mean... I can be sad about that. I'm not happy about it, but I can make it this big personal thing or I can just be like, you know what? She's busy with work and this and that and all of these other things. And so honestly, it's not this huge loss that she's leaving the city. And you know what? I've talked to her more while we've been in quarantine than I did previously. So in some ways, if her life slows down outside of the city, we may actually have more of the connection that I was desiring, but it really hasn't been this loss. And I came up with these four words. This is not a, a long thing that I've been working on. Just as I was taking notes for this, these four words came to me. Sister friend, solid friend, sweet friend, and social friend. And I thought, I wonder if we think about it like these this sort of hierarchy of, of people in our lives. Do I keep getting hurt because I I'm seeing someone as a sister friend? And she was for a season. We saw each other regularly and then things changed in our lives and our love didn't change for each other, but just our rhythms did. And we could have fought to be like, you know, we've been sister friends for forever. We, we're not going to let these changes get between us. And I've had, a, I have a friend that we've done that. We've been friends for 
a, a billion years through a mi- myriad of things. But like, we, yeah, we're sister friends. We always come back in it. And this other gal, maybe she was a sister friend for a season. And it was a beautiful season. But now, and maybe she stays a solid friend because we have history. Because she was part of my and Jeremy's lives at a really precious time. Um, and I'm not saying that we have to like categorize people into making these lists. But I think for me, it helps me feel less loss when I think, okay, have I had this narrative that I keep getting disappointed because I want her to be a sister friend? And if I just think of her as a solid friend or as a sweet friend, does that feel like less of a loss? Does it feel like more of a relief because there's less rejection and disappointment? I've just shifted into more truth what the circumstance is. We just, you know, now we go to different church locations. She she works a lot. She travels more for work. Like the circumstance just changed. The facts just changed. Is this not a commentary on me? And does it give me insight into here's the kind of friends that things don't work with? Like like if I have friends that, that work like crazy and travel all the time, they're just not going to fall into that sister or solid friend category because they just don't have the ability to. So how can I start to separate out what is it that, you know, makes it, makes it more feasible? Number three, I wonder about any practical actions that we can take. Because again, two, two more quotes that I wanted to, to read that folks said. One said, I want friendships, but I feel like I don't have the time and energy for them. So I end up feeling lonely. And that's exactly what I was saying. It's like this push and pull we, we want them, but we don't have time for them. And yet, instead of acknowledging that, we're making the story be, well, no one else wants me. No one else is reaching out to me. And, it, and we make it this thing that's happening to us. And then that makes us a victim. And then we feel so pathetic that no one wants to be our friend as opposed to being like, gosh, I am in conflict within myself and I've got to figure out how do I reconcile both wanting more connection and being really busy and tired. Another woman said, I feel like everyone is so busy, so it takes a long time to develop these type of relationships. And I thought that was a really good point as well. When you get a lot of tired and busy women together that are struggling to find that time, it also can feel like, oh, I wish that we could see each other more regularly and that we, we would get to depth faster, we would feel more connected, and then I would feel more satisfied in this. Does this require a sense of patience that is just not what I see in TV and film? Because... Rachel, Monica, and Phoebe just have each other. It didn't take them 18 months to get to that place. And they live across the hall. And they all have the same friends. And they seem to work very few hours. <laughs> and whenever they date someone, they're all hanging out together. I've just been aware for so long how TV and the nature that you don't have, you don't follow 82 plot lines and you can't have 64 actors on set, uh, on on payroll. So you get six and it come, makes it seem like there are just these groups that happen and they do happen for some people. And there are some people that are responding being like, gosh, I'm so grateful that I realized what amazing connections I have after answering your questions. Because they were probably like, I have 10 close friends and her highest option went to four. Oh my gosh, like most people must have no friends. So yes, there are those people. They're just not the majority. So practical action, one thing that I've realized during this time of quarantine is that the friends who know me best are the friends that I exchange voice memos with. Now, voice memos is something that I have, uh, it's one of my great gifts to the world, guys. It's something that has revolutionized um, a lot of lives. 
considering that it is a technology I did not come up with, and yet I appear to be one of the proponents of it, the number of people that I send a voice memo to that say, it has never occurred to me to send a voice memo. This is genius. Like top CEOs or any category. I send voice memos. There is an app called Voxer, V-O-X-E-R. Uh, that is what I use with my uh, with two of my girlfriends. Other times it's just the, um, the, the voice memo app on the iPhone. So two of my closest friends don't even live in New York. We have barely ever even seen each other in person. We didn't even ever go through a season where we did live close to each other or we did live in the same place. They both live in California. And we, what I've realized about voice memoing is that a voice memo allows us to do it on our time. And that is one big key to why we, we stay connected. And the other thing, and, and it's basically my three friends I'm feeling most connected to, and these also happen to be the three that I've been most connected to during quarantine. The other thing about the, the three is that we connect in a lot of different areas. And I've realized, oh, I have some other people that I talk to about one, one thing. I have work friends. I have political friends. I have old friends where we like rehash old fun stories. But these friends I can talk to about personal stuff and work stuff and political stuff and just all of the things all together. We can have a lot of different conversations. And so they continue to fill that need. And therefore, I keep going back to them. And because we can voice memo on our time, we, it's, it's much easier for us to connect. Therefore, we stay in relationship more frequently. And it now feels like there's less of a hole to dig out of because it hasn't been months since we actually caught up. And that mental connection is what you all said mattered so much, being in that same space mentally. And that, um, and the, and have, finding ways to have that connection that works with being busy and tired. And so to me, it's sort of that's, that sums up these three friendships is those two sweet spots. We connect on a variety of different things. So we keep turning back to each other organically. And because we have the voice memo component that happens on our time, we, do, we don't miss each other. And there isn't the weight of having to make, make a plan and get our calendars together and then somebody cancels and then it gets delayed two more weeks. There's just an instant like this time worked for me. I'm going to toss it over to you. When it works for you, you can toss it back. There's been ebbs and flows in those relationships, but they've been pretty consistent for three years, six years, you know, over a decade. And when I asked you, how, who, how many people have you connected with deeply virtually during this time? Your numbers were a little bit higher. Uh, overall, it seems like we've had more of those connections during this time. And so I'm not saying that everyone goes virtual in their relationships or stays virtual, but I do think it's one thing worth considering that I realized has been very impactful for me and my friendships that maybe people are experiencing more in this time or even wondering, are you still trying to make the date? You're still trying to schedule the phone call and that is can be just as exhausting as trying to get together for the, the drinks date. And might this concept of voice memos revolutionize a couple of friendships that are listening in realizing we can, he I, I don't want to type that two, two thumbs takes forever. I just want to be able to talk, but I want to do it on my time. And so that might just be one really practical tip. And I've seen this from some, some other people in my life. One of my mentors, she, um, had, lives in California. Her best friend lived in California and her neighborhood. They would take walks every morning or, you know, three days a week or whatever. And then the fr one friend, the friend moved to Texas and she was just devastated. Like, oh my gosh, we've had this like beautiful connection. And the friend said, you know what? We can still do our daily walks. We'll just do them on the phone. 
and we'll find a time that works with both of our time zones. And so they've kept that up. And I thought that's such a great example of like adding something in that can be, we don't even have to go with the same neighborhood, which in New York can feel like a lot getting the same thing. We can just be like, hey, this is when we have our phone date. This is when we do our FaceTime. This is when we both talk while we're on our walk. And it doesn't even have to be every single day or every single week, but it can be kind of knowing what are your general windows? You know, you, you tend to wrap work about this time and go on a walk. So I know I can text you to be like, hey, I'm heading out if you're around. Like I did this with one of my friends. We're like, you know, I'm heading out for a walk if you're around. And if they're not, I can leave her voice memo. But if she is, we can hop on FaceTime and talk to each other. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, and I've also realized another thing, just as I've been thinking about our lives if we leave New York someday, or rather probably when we leave New York someday, we don't envision being there until we're 80. We don't yet know where else we would go. But that's part of what I think about in in friendships is like, okay, we are going to be moving. And by the way, as my backstory, I, my parents live in the same house they brought me home from the hospital to. I went to college like you're 20, 20, 30 minutes away in um, Malibu where my parents both work. And then I moved to New York City, but everybody was scattering after college and moving to different places. So I went on a Broadway tour. Wasn't traumatic because everyone was leaving. Went on to a Broadway tour, Rockettes. By that point, all my friends lived in New York. So I moved to New York, which is where everybody I knew was. And then I've lived there ever since. So basically, I've never moved. I've never left people where everybody else was still together. So I've realized that I have this like great phobia of that. I, I feel like it's going to feel super traumatic. And that's why I've really been processing a lot of this over the last a year and a half specifically of sort of what will it mean for us to move and what will friendships look like? And so one of my beautiful things in this time of, of coronavirus has been realizing those, actually I have virtual friends that are my deepest, closest friends. And why is that? And th those will stay. And the other thing for me that I look at my parents and they ha have two best sets of friends and both of them live out of state and they travel together. They, they don't, any longer. They, they did at one point live close to each other where they could see each other more regularly, but then both of their couples moved over the years and my parents stayed. And um, yet they, I mean, they will go to Europe. They will travel just to see one another. They both couples came to my, our wedding in Cartagena. And so my just kind of seeing that vision for someone else and being like, okay, I'm going to hold that vision for Jeremy and I. And does that seem challenging, overwhelming? Can I be like, oh, but people will cancel. It'll be so hard to get together. People have kids that are for ages. Yes, I can go down a lot of stories. Or I can be like, you know what? I see this for my parents and their two friends. Hey, babe, that's what I declare for us. I'm just going to keep holding that space. I'm going to keep holding that vision. We want to be friends with the kind of people who also enjoy and prioritize travel. And we're going to live some gorgeous place that people want to come to us. And we'll go to them. And we'll be patient. Because you know what? My, my parents are in their 60s and they, they have these friends. And yes, they've been friends for decades, but like, hey, maybe it'll take till our 50s until we meet the friends. That's cool. We're going to live till our 90s. So we'll still have decades left to you know, spend together. And yes, I do want more in-person post-COVID as well. It's not that I just want virtual to, to make up for all of it. But number four, I wonder, do we need to set up our lives for more relationships? If we are busy and tired and yet craving connection, what does that mean? How do I set up my life? And if you are an entrepreneur who studies with me, you know that I am so passionate about not living a hustle-filled life. But 
entrepreneurship takes a lot of work and you are busy. It's I'm not working two hours a day. I'm not having a four hour work week or whatever those um, cultural stories are. So how do I find that balance? How do I keep saying no to more ideas and more growth and, and bigger, better, faster, flashier in my business so that I'm not so tired and I'm not so busy and I can create the space where I have the energy and the, the white space and the breathing room for those relationships so that I really truly can say, I, I want more connection and I've created a life that makes space for it rather than, and if I, if I can't do that, if you're like, but I have young kids, I can't do that, then you just honor that tension. I know that I want more of this. I know it's not practical in this season. But what I want to encourage us to do is not have the story be, I want more connection and people just don't care about me enough. People just don't reach out to me enough. I'm always the one that reaches out. Like, do you see that difference? We can, there's lots of things in our lives that we want to be different, but we're just like, yeah, unfortunately I can't have A and B at the same time. This is just the season that I'm in for this, but we can own that and, and notice that's a very different thought that gives us a different feeling that leads to a different action and different results than the thought of, I, I'm just not likable enough. Everybody else has more friends. Now I feel lonely. My action is to retreat even more and put myself out less. And so my result is I end up, end up even less connected in the grand scheme of things. I don't really have a summation of like, here's what we do, guys. I think this is an ongoing dialogue. I would love your thoughts uh, below my latest Instagram post. Whenever you hear this, truly, 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 please come leave your thoughts below an Instagram post. Instead of DMing me, because then I'm the only one that sees that, leave it under an Instagram post. The number of times that I hear someone say, man, I've learned so much from the comments here. These comments really blessed me. Or they've read through them and they're like, the only different thing I have to add from what everyone else already said is this. And then we have a collective conversation as a group that we all grow from rather than I'm blessed to hear from you, but I'm the only one and you and I are, are you know, kind of over in a corner whispering. So back to this concept of the wand. You know, I am not an expert at manifesting. That's not really, you know, my, my thing per se. But I think that the general concept of manifesting is just that like what you focus on grows. And, you know, I got to thinking like when, when I was single and I was kind of always on alert for is where was I going to meet someone? Was I going to meet a cute guy? Was I going to cross paths with someone? And so you're looking for that eye contact. You're looking for that spark. You're looking for that connection that lasts a little bit longer than a second and the smile and the whatever. And you're kind of more aware of it. And it hit me as I was pondering this that I was like, I never think about that now that I'm in a relationship. And I just think probably I'm just not looking for it. I would imagine, now granted I have a wedding ring on, so there may just be less of it coming at me, but I would also imagine that there's, I saw more of it before because I was looking for it. And I see less of it now because I'm not looking at it, looking for it. And so I just wonder if we ponder some of these questions, do I think others have more connection than I do? Because we've seen here by and large, most of us think that and most of us actually don't. Do I think that I'm not loved or liked or cared about enough? Is that part of the story in my desire for connectedness is actually I want to be accepted more. I want to be welcomed in more rather than just factually I want more connection and I actually don't even have that space for it in my life. What if I lay out the facts and I really look at how often have I been in touch with this person? How often have I seen this person? In some cases you might realize 
it's actually really even. This was just a story that I said I was reaching out more. Or you might realize, girl, you've been completely right. Every single time you reach out, she doesn't even ask you questions back. Does it help to just shift some people's categories? You, in your heart, she's a sister friend. She's a solid friend. And you keep getting hurt. And then you look back at those texts and you're like, girlfriend doesn't even ask me about myself. She, I just need to shift. And not demote is in a bad way. But like, I just need to bring her down to a sweet friend or a social friend. And then I, 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 won't, I won't be as distracted by why is she not asking it back? Or what if I try things like voice memos with a couple of friends to see? What if that's just one, one, one tiny thing that Hillary had to share in this that was like, you know what? Maybe there is something to not having to be on the same time. I'm not going to try this with like a billion friends. I'm going to try it with a couple of friends and see. And not everybody's going to be into it. Some people are not phone people. Um, some people like the Voxer app. Some people are going to want voice memos. But you're like, hey, I just thought I would try this out. Um, I listened to this podcast. Here you can listen to it as well. I thought this girl made a good point that we just, we want connection when we want it. And I know like when I'm doing the dishes is when it, I, it would be a great time for me to listen to a voice memo from you because I want some company. And yet then by the time you call back, it's like, I'm just climbing into bed and I'm tired. Like, so um, is there that? Uh, or post-quarantine, can we try the phone date, the FaceTime date? And just say, even if we can get together in person, what if we say, Hey, I, I like when I go for walks, that would be a great time. When I'm in my car commuting, like this would kind of be a great time. So anytime that you want to call me during that window, I'm pretty much going to be in the car. If you want to shoot me a text and, you know, confirm and, and let me know if there's that time for you. And it doesn't mean that we have to commit every Friday we're doing this or, you know, feel guilty if we miss it, but we just kind of know, actually, here's a window that is good for me right after I drop the kids off from school or whatever. And what if when I try something and it doesn't work with someone and I don't really get the response that I want, I just release it. I release, not that I like cut that person out of my life, but I just release the, the term of that person. You know, I release them from being a sister friend. I release them from being a solid friend and I just make some space that like, okay, God, okay, universe, I could use some people in this category because it's, it's open and I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to look for that. I'm going to believe for that. And I'm going to keep making space in my life for that so that when it shows up, I don't realize here I've actually been complaining that I wanted it. And then when it was presented to me, I realized, oh, that was only going to work if you always wanted to come to me and you always wanted to come to my house and I didn't ever have to go anywhere and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I have no delusion that one episode will heal all of our hearts uh, or answers all of our longings in this very important component of our life. It has not for me, but I do think that we get closer when we ask the questions. And I have found more peace and clarity and healing in my own life over the last year and a half and over the last couple of months of quarantine through asking these questions. And I so hope that your head and heart are blessed by the same today. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. Yes, something I'm loving lately is I'm leaving in an SVU. SUV? SUV. Special Victims Unit. That's the TV show. SUV. I'm leaving in an SUV. Don't know when I'll be back again. We are headed out of Arizona. By the time you listen to this podcast, we'll be in a whole other state. I hope you are following along on Instagram stories with our adventures. But we are out of one season of waiting and wondering, when are we going to go back to New York? How long are we going to be here? What's going to happen with coronavirus? 
We are, I am sure, headed into another one in New York City. Everything is not over for us, but at least it is progress. And I've noticed in this time how many friends I've had in flux that have felt so much better when they've set a date. Other friends that were out of the city, other friends that are thinking about moving and that have been in the same place of us of like, oh, I just can't tell. Actually, all three friends that I mentioned in this episode have been in a major state of flux. And during this time, two of them have made decisions and they feel way better. And I think, you know, if, if they've made the decision, actually, I'm not moving in this time. Actually, here, I'm going to stay here for another month. I think, you know, here's, here's what my plan is. When we make that plan, we feel better. And I think if you can create some sort of deadline, do it. I got so much more done. I was so much more productive our last few weeks in Arizona because I knew I had a deadline. And it just just gave me that container to really push, to let the small stuff go, to choose progress over perfection. Um, a lot of the things that I'm going to be walking you through and holding you accountable in this new entrepreneurship course that I'm creating, truly just making decisions when there is so much open-ended gray space for days, whether that is coronavirus or whether that is so many options in what you could do with your business or your life, and that just endless squish gets exhausting. It just gets murky. And while I know that there will be new hard things along the way for us as we head back to New York, we will likely get on an airplane that will be intense. We don't know what um, what life will be like in New York. We don't know how long this will, will go on for in New York. Um, at least it feels like we've made a step. We've had a sense of relief. It's not completely over, but uh, okay, we, we, we've made a step. We have closed one chapter and moved forward. And I would uh, ask that you would take the step to share this episode on your Instagram stories, text it to a friend, share it in a Facebook group that you're in. Friendship is a topic that absolutely everyone can relate on. And my hope that is, is that while today was not a perfect 12 steps to friendship, it actually was better because it was authentic and it was honest and not having all of the answers and just raising more questions because this is such a personal journey that I think there is more questions for you to answer for yourself and your own unique unique life rather than me prescribe what I think the answers are for any of us. And do not forget the new class is linked below where you can get the first news and I cannot wait to see you live on that call later this month. I will see you there with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday. 